Good to see you all. So glad uh, that we get to gather. I wanted to celebrate a few really cool things, but I always have to, uh, to mention like our, one of our core purposes here at Whitewater really is to create a place of belonging, and meaning that you can belong before you even believe. And, um, and we're grateful if you're here and uh, maybe a friend brought you here and you're not even sure why you are here. Uh, I, I think God has a reason and uh, we just want to help people move forward on their spiritual uh, journey. So uh, a few things I wanted to celebrate was we've been in this series called We Bless and it's really been casting vision, a long-term vision for our church for how we as a church become a blessing, how we as individuals become a blessing. We just want to get better and better at that. And and um, we've had a few really cool things happen. We've talked about it like this. Like we see our church as this reservoir, uh, like, like a big reservoir of water that's filled with, with people with talent, people with their um, abilities, their spiritual gifts. And we've been just asking the question, how do we deepen the reservoir, like help mature uh, the reservoir of our church? And God wants to release a river from the reservoir. In fact, for a reservoir to be healthy, there needs to be outflow. There needs to be a, a river that pours from it. And for a river to be healthy and powerful, it has to have a healthy and powerful reservoir. And so that's the image we've been looking at as we've been talking about uh, becoming a blessing. And we had, I thought this was so cool, we had uh, almost 80 people make it through the journey track, which is our discipleship process. Uh, if you went through that uh, this round, would you put your hands up for a second if you made it through the journey track? Wait, could you give them a hand? Way to go, guys. That's awesome. So awesome. And we go over the five essentials, like how do we create a place of belonging? Um, how do we uh, create a place of believing, a place of becoming who God created us to become, a place of blessing, and then a place to bring people into a flourishing life with God? And we go through the five essentials. It was uh, amazing. And uh, that's how we deepen our reservoirs, learning to, be, um, learning to grow as disciples of Jesus. The other little thing we had going on recently was this little thing called the One Child Project. How many of you guys are familiar yeah, how many of you guys participated in that and helped? Whether it's gifting, gifting, rapping. You guys, give them a hand. That is so awesome. Thank you. Um, we've got a video coming next week uh, that's going to celebrate and paint the picture of what happened there. Uh, so grateful uh, to be part of that. We served uh, over 500 kids and then uh, families on top of that. And uh, it was just unbelievable what, what God did to that. Um, today, I want to finish our series with, with, a, with a moment of faith for our church. Uh, how do we unlock or unleash the river of blessing that, that God wants to in our church? How do, we, how do we help people step into becoming a blessing? What would it look like if every believer in our church became a blessing? So that people in their neighborhoods, people in their, in their workplaces, people that experience those of us in the church who, granted, we all have limitations, we all have personalities that can rub people the right way or the wrong way, but what if we were learning to be a blessing, learning to be Jesus' hands and feet together? I think we could see an incredible movement in our area. And so, uh, if you would, I'm going to start in, in Acts. I want to I cover a passage in Acts. And um, it's in chapter 1. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can turn there. You can follow up uh, along behind me. 
uh, starting in verse 8, Jesus is, uh, he's, he died on the cross, he's resurrected at this point, and he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the ones who have followed him, and he's getting ready to launch them out. And he says this, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, and just stopping for a moment, I, I just want to observe uh, two things here that I think are really, really powerful. I love that he says, you will receive, the power, uh, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's this reality that all mission, all blessing, all goodness is really empowered by God. Like we can't be the witnesses, the blessers, uh, the people of God that we're supposed to if we don't have God's Spirit. That we, we have to have God's Spirit a part of our life, a part of blessing. Um, we can't do it on our own. We can't be the people God wants us to be on our own. And so at the very beginning, it, it just highlights the importance of the Holy Spirit um, empowering this whole deal, empowering the church. And, you will, and then it goes on to say, you will be my witnesses. He's talking to this ragtag group of people. Um, we've talked about the church in many ways is like a mosaic. It's all these broken shards with you know, sharp edges and even dull edges and areas of, our, of people's lives that are just, we're like these little shards that um, are imperfect and broken. And God takes our brokenness like the master artist and puts it together so that if you step back and, and can move back from all the imperfections and see the bigger picture, you see this beautiful thing God's doing. And I think the, the, the future of the church is beautiful. And it's beautiful, the reality that God takes broken people like us and he wants to use us by his spirit. It says to be witnesses. And this is a theme the last few weeks of my life keeps coming up. Witnesses. We're supposed to be witnesses for the Lord. A lot of times people kind of think of like really pushy, judgy people when they think of witnesses. Are there anybody in here that thought that? Very judgmental of you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we can, get, we can get that way and be like, man, I'm being a witness. Or when we think of like sharing our faith, that's kind of scary to me. I don't know if I want to do that. And we'll find reasons not to do that. And we get kind of freaked out. And we might even think like, well, sharing your faith and being a witness, that's for like super Christians. That's for like disciples and people in the Bible. Not today. Not in my life. And Jesus, he, he teaches us in this passage that he is empowering all of his followers with the power of the Spirit to become witnesses. And witnessing is, is, is all it is, if you know anything about you know, a courtroom, is telling the truth, telling your story, telling like the story of what God has done in your life and how he's at work and what he's doing. And um, that's the power of witness. It's giving your testimony. You don't have to be a, a, a fancy author or an artist or a, a pastor or an orator or a teacher. You can just be anybody, anybody who can share their story. Anybody can just share, this is what God has done in my life. I remember talking with a friend, and he was sharing, like, I, he was at the darkest point in his life, and he had lost everything, and he was terribly addicted um, to, to multiple things in his life that were just destroying him. And he's like, and then in the middle of nowhere, God comes into my life through this circumstance, this circumstance, and it hits me. He's like, and then I have never been the same, and here's how God changed me, and this is what God has done, and I'm not perfect, but God has continued to, and I remember just be, being like, like weeping at the end of this, hearing the story of how God had changed them, and isn't that beautiful? No one can argue with your story, and also your story is like the most powerful thing, the most empowering and powerful thing you can bring to the world when, when, it's, when we're trying to share the love of God. Your story is so important. 
And we're called to be witnesses, the witnesses to what God has done in our life and the lives of others. And it goes on in in verse 9. There's one other portion I just want to take time to highlight. In verse 9 it says, After he had said this, he was taken up. This is Jesus. He was taken up. uh, And as they were watching, a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. Can you imagine that saying, Jesus is like, all right, you guys go be my witnesses. I'm empowering with the spirit. All right, you guys can do this. And then all of a sudden he just starts, you know, like floating up and disappearing. Like all of a sudden the, the reality of the world, which has been kind of, it's been broken through in the, in the cross and resurrection. There's this new reality where God is bringing this new creation. The God who created the world originally is recreating it in Jesus. And he's got agents of love and change and grace that he's sending out into the world that we get to be part of this new reality. And Jesus is like all of a sudden just like in this, this dimension of, of heaven is, is go- going off and he's leaving his disciples and there's this new reality. And we're not trying to escape earth. We're not trying to escape, you know, hell. We're trying to bring heaven to earth now. Um, a lot of people look at their faith like it's this get out of hell free card and they're waiting until that day and we're just in this horrible place and we're waiting. No, 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 no. The mission of Jesus followers is to bring heaven to earth now. And there's heavenly things going on in this world and there are hellish things. And we are the ones who are the agents of change who bring the blessing of God. Amen? Now, you can just see these men looking up, watching Jesus kind of disappear and they're like wow you could just see some of them just like blown away like what is going on and this is incredible and some like just worshiping and uh and you can kind of see some of them they're just like kind of looking up and they're they're thinking nothing because after all there's a lot of men in this crowd and they're thinking nothing peter what are you thinking nothing absolutely nothing me me too it's it's amazing and then in the story, it says that there were two men, two angels suddenly uh, appeared by them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? And I just think it's such an interesting story. These guys are, they're watching Jesus go. Some of them might all of a sudden be getting scared. Like, like no, he's the one who's supposed to be leading all this. Like, how are we... We betrayed him not you know, just a few chapters ago, you know? Like, how can we be the ones he's empowering with the message of the gospel? How can we be the ones that he wants to use? And they're staring up, and then there's these angels with the message from, from God. And they're, and they're standing there looking at these guys as they're just gazing up. And they're saying, hey, remember, you're supposed to get going. There's a time to look up, and there's a time to go out. There's a time to worship, and there's a time to be sent on mission. And I'm afraid sometimes we get caught kind of like the disciples in those moments where we're just like staring up and maybe we're receiving from God and there's good stuff and we're worshiping him. That could be the case. Um, But I've known Christians that want to worship and receive their whole life and they just consume, consume, consume. And there's never any moment they don't receive that message from the angels that's like, hey, you can worship, but now it's time to get out. You can look up, but now it's time to go. And I'm afraid that sometimes the church gets caught looking up. And when the world sees that, like worship can be incredible, but if they don't see any change, any blessing, any life, any kingdom, any heaven coming through the lives of people, living water flowing through their life is one image in John that Jesus uses. If there's no like like life change and transformation that's happening, the world's just like, well, this this isn't real. Why would I want to be a part of this? And sometimes people are looking up and, and they're afraid, God, why did you abandon me? 
And they're looking up, and yet still the angel's message is clear, and it calls us still, we need to go out. And some of us might be saying, well, why, God, did you let this happen to me? We might be looking up, saying, why? And we're frustrated, and we're hurting, we're angry, there might be pain in our life, and the angel's message is still clear. You still are called to go out. In the midst of the pain, well, well, God, I'm super limited. Like, like I'm, I might not have what it takes to go do what you want me to do. I might ha- not have what it takes or a good enough story or, you know, I, I might not have the knowledge or the gifting or the ability or whatever limitation you have and you're sharing to God and you're looking up to him. God, I might not have. And, and still God's message to us is that it's, there's a time to go. We gotta be sent. We gotta witness. We gotta bless others. And we gotta witness to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, are you guys with me on this? You see the, the irony here of all these men who are waiting around. They're looking in the skies and the angel saying, now's the time. Let's get going. And today is a get going sermon. Today like, is, the, is, is really the, the bringing together, the crescendo of what we've been talking about. Becoming a blessing as a church and sending and walking and being that blessing individually and collectively. And... Um, I love Jesus' strategy he lays out here. He lays out this strategy in, in, in Acts 1.8, but you'll receive the power from the Holy Spirit. That's a good strategy to have God's Spirit. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And the strategy we've laid out, if you've been with us for a little while, is we are to become a, lo- a personal blessing, a local blessing, and a global blessing. A personal blessing is learning to love and to bless people in the name of Jesus, be the hands and feet of Jesus, with our words and with our deeds, uh, our friends and our family those circles that are closest to us, neighbors and co-workers and classmates and the people that God puts us around. That's personal blessing. We're supposed to step into that. And then there's local blessing. And maybe you guys had some paper uh, given to you at the beginning. I hope you got this. Um, it actually has some of my sermon notes. I had them printed today just because of, of some special things we're going to be doing at, at, toward the end of the service. Um, and on the back of that or one side of it, I guess depends on what the front and back are, depending on what you look at first, is we, we've identified eight deserts locally in Pierce County. Eight deserts that we see like real spiritual brokenness, real hurting, that we feel God wants, like he wants to bring our church into the midst of that to be rivers of blessing. I love how uh, Ezekiel says it, wherever the river flows, life will Flourish, And so we've identified these eight rivers of blessing that we want to bring as a church. And locally, that's, that's like one of our plans. And, and there might be an area you want to bless outside of it. That's great. But our church, we feel called, we are going to be blessing, a blessing to Pierce County in these areas. And so I don't know what your passion is. I don't know what area you would be, get excited about. But I bet there's an area that you have gifts and skills and talent and, and you are shaped in this season of your life to be serving and blessing in an area like this. Um, just think about the one child event, just one event, all these people coming together, loving, connecting in the name of Jesus. Like, I think the church is so much more powerful than we realize. Um, so local blessing is fairly important. I had one friend who stepped into local blessing, wasn't even intending it. His name's Mark. Um, you might not even know this, but he organized, uh, uh, like half of the event that, that, that we did. 
Um, we needed somebody to, to run the day event and, and organize and administrate and do those things. And we had a meeting several months ago. And this guy named Mark, he, he's a judge. I got his permission. He told me I could share this. He was a judge. He is a judge. And he, he sees all the hard stuff all the time and has to help families and make decisions for kids and families that are really struggling. So he sees like a lot of the hard stuff in, um, in foster care. And uh, he, he, he was just serving in our church on a Sunday, and he was putting some things away. And, and uh, I saw him, and I was like, hey, we're having a meeting for one child. Would you, would you want to jump in? I was like, no pressure or anything. So it wasn't planned. And, uh, and he was like, sure, I'll jump in. So he jumped in, and we started talking about what could be and what we were envisioning and how could we really serve the kids this year. And then at the end of it, we're like, man, we really need to be praying for someone that can help administrate this and lead this. And all of a sudden, he just kind of puts his hand up. And, you know, he hasn't hardly said a word, and he's like, I'll do it. And people were like, who is that guy? And he's like, he's a judge. They're like, I was feeling that. I felt like he was just judging. No, he's like the sweetest guy. He's like, he's an amazing guy. And he's like, no, no, I think I'll do it. And they're like, well, do you know that like, it's going to involve this, this, and this, and we're going to need someone who can really organize? He's like, and it's going to take some time. He's like, he's like, I'll do it. I'll take that assignment. And this guy who was asked to come to a meeting last minute, who was serving at the end of like a, a second service, ended up running most of that uh, Sunday event. Um, Jesus is always calling us to step into these assignments. And, that, and he stepped into the local blessing. And I, I thought that was absolutely incredible. Um, if we're going to be a blessing, we have to keep something in mind. There's a, di- there's a difference between blessers and converters. How many of you guys know about this? The difference between blessing and, and, and just converting um, if you're an electrician, you're like thinking of like literal converters. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, uh, a guy named Dave Ferguson wrote about this and uh, really struck me. Uh, there was a study that was done of, of two missionary groups that went to Thailand. And uh, you could divide these two groups and their approaches, their strategy. The first group, their strategy was to convert the people to faith. That was like their primary, like that's what we're going to do. And, and so everything, their strategy, all focused on converting people. Prim- that was their primary focus. The other group you could, uh, you could call the blessers. So we'll call the first group the converters, and the second group is the blessers. And the blessers went with the intention of blessing people. They would say, I'm just here to bless whoever comes my way. I just want to be a blessing to the people in my community. Um, and so the study followed these uh, teams for a couple of years and, and there were two really fascinating observations. The first one was this. Uh, they discovered that the blessers had a greater social impact than the converters. You know, like that might not be too hard to figure would happen. But this proved that the blessers' intention of blessing the people and the community around them, so personal blessing and local blessing, uh, around them resulted in tremendous amounts of social change and social good, and it impacted the lives of people. The second observation is even more fascinating to me. Secondly, uh, and this was pretty surprising for, in the, for the people studying this, they discovered that the blessers also had almost 50 times as many conversions as the converters. The blessers, in other words, were 50 times more successful in helping people find and follow Jesus. Nobody wants to have... Uh, an, another ideology or view shoved down their throat. Nobody wants to just, you know, just be a project to somebody. 
But if we become blessed, like everybody wants to receive blessing. Everybody wants to receive goodness, I think. Everybody has needs. And if you look at the way of Jesus, he met physical and spiritual needs. And the way of blessing is going forward, earning the right, loving people, seeing them, seeing people, and learning how to bless them. We want to be a church that's, that are, we're blessers. That God has sent us out into our, our personal sphere of influence and into our community to bless. Um, we don't want to be known as, as the, the judges or, you know, like the, that person's just going to make you a project to convert you. Like, of course we want people to know Jesus. Of course our prerogative is for them to experience the kingdom of heaven. But we can't control the human heart. I can't make you say yes to Jesus. I can just introduce you uh, to him. I can just maybe give you some glimpses of the kingdom of heaven the best I know how. And that, friends, is what the church is called to be um i thought that that was such a powerful moment and when we think of local blessing um we've been we've been working on this as a church and when we as a church started we started in a home then we moved to an elementary school and then to a high school and then now we're here and god's got the story where we've been growing and we've always asked this question what would would our community grieve if we were to to leave if we, if we just disappeared, would the people around us even notice? And sadly, I think some churches have so little impact in their area for a variety of reasons, but they've just been sitting there staring up at the, up at the sky. You know, for maybe good reasons, maybe lame reasons, but none of them are good enough excuse not to go out. And, and many people, if the church disappeared, and sadly enough, many churches are slowly disappearing, like 80% of churches in America actually are on decline. Um, their community wouldn't even notice if they were gone. And many times they would, they would definitely not grieve. I want to be a community that's known as being a blessing. And, and so we've been praying for that as a church. How do we do that more and better and get greater at that and have a heart for that? And how do we, because we know we're called to go global. And we've been building toward that, building toward that. And we've been praying for like, what is the next step for our church to have a global partnership to, to really bring the gospel globally and introduce our church to, to cross-culture mission? And we know that's where we wanted to build. And so we've been praying and praying for that. And, and we wanted to, to partner in, in a way that fit us, that fit our church and fit our story, that, what God's been doing. And, um, and the, the thing that's really struck our team, and I think that the way our team would best articulate this is we want to, if we're going to go uh, have a global impact, we don't want to go someplace to make ourselves the heroes. We want to go someplace to make the church and the pastors in their area heroes. Amen? We want to lift them up. We're, we want to be the servants who are lifting others up. We want to be a blessing so that they will be a blessing and Jesus will be made known in their area. And so as we've been praying and praying about this and thinking and connecting, like all these connections have be- began happening and, um, and the, the, the country that has opened up that it feels like God is just leading us to is the country of Sierra Leone. Um, have you guys heard of Sierra Leone? A few of you? Some of you guys are like, sweet, we're going to Europe? No. <laughs> Sierra Leone is an African country. We can actually show that... Um, this is so cool. So it's in Western, uh, West Africa, um, and it's a, it's a country. It actually is about the size of uh, Washington State. The, the population is about the same as Washington State. And um, there have been pastors and key leaders that have been praying and looking and looking for a partnership with a church that has a heart for uh, discipleship and blessing and wants to help um, 
equip churches to bless. Because again, we want to make any place we partner, we want to make them heroes. We want to equip them to be the heroes, not have us be the heroes. And so there's been pastors and leaders praying and looking and yearning to, for partnership. And God, we feel that God is, is bringing us together. Um, in in uh, about two months, at the end of February, um, we're, myself and a team are going to actually be flying over there to uh, Sierra Leone. We're going to be uh, building relationships and, uh, and learning what this could look like. Making sure it's a good fit, for sure. Um, but this is where we feel God leading us. And we wanted to share that with you guys. Um, we are, I couldn't be more excited, friends. I just, uh, I think we are going to learn a ton. The African church has, I think, has a ton to teach uh, the North American church about truth and reconciliation. We're living in a really divided time, and they've gone through, and many of those countries um, and areas have gone through some hardship that we couldn't even imagine. And they've had to bring truth and reconciliation as a church uh, in ways that, that I think we can learn from. So I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to get connected. And, and, um, and here's the other thing. We don't want to send people over to another country um, who aren't a local blessing. Why would we inflict our lack of faith or our lack of compassion on another country if we're not doing it at home? And, and we're partnering with some churches where we're going to be learning from um, uh, something called the Peace Plan in Rwanda. And we're wanting to see this uh, take root in Sierra Leone where that's a, it's a church-to-churches partnership. It's, we're making heroes of the, uh, of the community there. And we don't want to just do for people what, what, what God is empowering uh, a church community over there to do in their own area. But you can see the pressure for our church is, man... Over the next year, year and a half, we're going to be building these relationships. I want to make sure we are in our own backyard practicing what we want to take over there. So I would love to have an army of, of blessers that we can send at different times when it's needed in different sectors and these different rivers of, of blessing and train leaders over there to do that and learn together. Um, but we can't, I, we don't want to send people over who aren't practicing and blessing in their own community. Um, would, you, would you just watch this video? I think it paints a picture of what we want to see happen. This is actually in Rwanda, this, this video. And, uh, and just to set it up, um, this is a pastor who was awakened um, to the reality that the church could become the blessers in their community, much more so than they had ever seen. And once his church started engaging and, and looking for the issues and doing what we're talking about, becoming a blessing and looking for the areas of need and sending our, our church members in their areas of talent and gifting, um, like it's awakened the church in Rwanda and they're seeing incredible things that have happened and over the last 10 years. So we'll go ahead and watch this video. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Bovid. I could see no future for him and his children. But because of the church and volunteers like Deborah, they are alive today. Amzati Boviki, 
nilifikia mkufikia mwingi kipindi madame anafariki aligonjwa sikujua anagonjwa nini nikawazia anagonjwa kifuo kumbe alikuwa anagonjwa HIV wakati ule uzima ulikuwa matata sana tulikuwa na watu walikuwa nakufa usiku na mchana madame anafika mkufariki wakati eh, shida ya madame inani preoccupé sana mmaisha nikapoteza mawazo nikapoteza mawazo it used to be the only way we could care for those people with hiv was to show up and pray but now we can do so much more kijana mwa anaomba kuvivante tulikuwa na jirani alikuwa jirani yetu makaongeaka na Deborah Deborah akafika akaniona bon nikawazia tu kama mwani mwanamke kwa anatafuta kunikebei mimi nikaona anajinteresa sana na mimi akaa kuniobije nifike siku moja masatisa kuvivante niende na watoto nikamfuata Deborah kuvivante ule jirani wangu basi nilifika kuvivante sijue kitu hata kimoja kia kia Yesu Kristo sikana juu basi tukarudi tukatupatia kile siku alinipatia kilo tatu ya kaunga kilo mbili ya ya kusoma tukanipatia kilo tatu ya maharage tukanipatia kilo mbili ya mafuta litre mbili ya mafuta Aparti kwa ya ile ya ile action iliona pale nikaona image nyingine mafikiri yangu In partnership with government and clinics we can train our ordinary members in the church to go out in communities and help people with medication and share our knowledge on HIV prevention and counseling. Tulikuwa muhali mbaya sana. Defitke defitke mtu kanyonye mjia anaona tu sema kama huyu mtu sana sana pasha kufariki. Bora kanyambia baisha kupenda. Mimi nasema hapana. Juni vitu vinye havikuwa psikoloji. Nana atakuwa mgeni mwingine na mingi ni bora chungaka ba bale watu wa mgonjwa kupita kule mama vema animarika kama maisha akaniege akanisogelea sana akaniambia kuna shida kingi takuwa mungu iko uta utaishi uzima huo uka ukaanza kutunaida utaona uzima huo unabadilika ukanipatia nguvu mimi nakuweka batoto nikaangalia ule wakati ni sipa hii dawa kuanza kutumia kana mimi na watoto hakuna tena mwaka tiki kama hiyo it is amazing what we can do when we work together and are united
Isn't that just unbelievable? I just, uh, man, my heart yearns to have a church that's growing more and more into that. I mean, geez, that church is, is making a difference in their community. Do you think the, how do you think the people in that community look at that church? Uh, and, and, the, and I loved when we talked about the light switch going on, realizing, hey, we can make the difference. We can be a difference. In whatever way we can, we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and I, I want our church to be doing that at home. And as we're learning to live within the shape and the way and the passion that God has made us individually, I would love to see us growing so much that, that when it's your time to maybe take what you've learned uh, and, 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 and go cross-cultural, that we could, we could pour into a place, into leaders, into churches uh, that, are, that are, are trying to build and, and rebuild a country. Um, I don't know if you know this about Sierra Leone, but it was, uh, I think it was 1991, um, yeah, 1991, they had uh, uh, an 11-year civil war. It ended around 2002, and it just, it just um, destroyed the infrastructure. And so they've been trying to rebuild that, and it, there's a lot of exploitation that ha- happens um, in, 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 in two um, smaller African nations. And, uh, guys, I, I, I want to partner with the pastors over there. I want to partner with the churches. And how cool, how amazing would it be as, as we have a connection, a partnership where we're equipping them to be the heroes in their community and we are learning to be the heroes in our community and you are training other heroes in our area to become heroes. Like that's disciple making. That's the vision. That's what we want to see. And I want to ask you to be part of it. I want, I want to ask you to join in. And here's the cool thing. You don't even have to believe what I believe to bless who we bless. So you might even be sitting here and like, I don't even believe what you guys... You know, that's okay. You can be with us. And if you're beginning in your faith or you've been, you've been stalled out in your faith or you've been flourishing in your faith, like we can make a difference, not only in our own area, but globally. And uh, that's my heart. That's what I am just been thrilled about. Now, to do that, I, I want to do something really special today to commission our church. We have to decide as a church, am I in to become a blessing? Are you in to learn to become a personal, local, and then even global blessing? And that might not happen overnight, and that's okay. Like, grace plus time equals transformation. You're going to hear that again? Grace plus time equals transformation. But can we commit to growing in this? And every one of us, I want to tell you that every one of us has an area of blessing that God wants us to be blessing right now. He has an area of focus. We see it in the scriptures all the time. In Acts chapter 13, I'm going to uh, read this scripture. And I'm going to give you seven reasons why you can step into being commissioned, into taking the mission that God is giving, the area of focus. Uh, this is a, about commissioning. In verse 2, it says this, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Like, appoint these specific people to this specific assignment, a specific task right now. And Paul and Barnabas had other assignments. They had other things that came up. But in that season of their life, God clarified their area of blessing. And so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. And so Barnabas and Saul were sent out in the power of the Spirit. Remember, the, the Spirit shows up again. The Spirit is the empowering 
person of mission. It's how God, um, it's how God launches stuff. And we need the power of the Spirit in our life. And so I want to have a commissioning service for our church today. I want us to go out and have clarity on what God has called us to do and to be. And so let me give you seven reasons commissioning is so important and why you should be commissioned today. Like you don't have to be like a, a super Christian or have tons of knowledge. Like you can go and what Whatever area and whatever shape God has made you, today you can leave and, and uh, be commissioned. So let me read these to you. The first thing is commissioning is simply empowering people to be sent by the Spirit into a calling or assignment from the Lord. It's that simple. That's what commissioning is. It's saying we're behind you and, the, and we're praying for the Spirit to launch you and give you success in the area of blessing. Um, we're commissioning you. Uh, commissioning is the giving of authority and blessing. Um, there's so many people that are waiting for authority. They don't feel like they have authority to go to go live the Jesus life, to bless people in his name. And I, I don't have what it takes. And I love in, in, in Matthew 28, it says this, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Like God the Father has given me all authority. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I've been given authority. I'm giving that authority to you. I'm delegating it to you. Go in my name. You know, you got these disciples that are just like, look, Looking up, and those angels are like, Go, it's time to go. Why are you just gazing up? You have been given authority to go, and you need to know that if you are a Jesus follower, you have been given authority in the Spirit to go and make disciples and bless people. Uh, number three, commissioning is permission giving. Some people are sitting around waiting for permission or waiting for a position. If I just had this title, and if I could just be in charge of these people, then I could go bless. And then, or, or like, there's just this passivity. I just, I need to have permission and wait. And you've got permission in the name of Christ Jesus to go and bless people in the name of Jesus. You have permission and we want to make sure you know that. And and when those disciples who are praying with Barnabas and Paul were praying and they uh, clarified, we need to send these ones, they prayed for them, they laid hands on them, they sent them out uh, in the power and knowledge of Jesus. Um, Number four, commissioning is confidence building. And by the way, on the paperwork you, you got, I have these seven reasons so you can be following along and you can take that with you. But commissioning is confidence building. God is with us. He's with you. And you know what? Our church is with you. Like our leadership, we're with you. We're here to support you to become the blessing God is sending you out to be. Number five, commissioning activates gifts and passions that maybe have been dormant and maybe you didn't know you had. I've seen people come alive when they take on an assignment from the Lord. They are commissioned and they, and they get after it. And all of a sudden, uh, gifts of organizing, evangelism, patience, uh, love come out in people like they wouldn't have known if they didn't take the assignment. Commissioning is so important. Commissioning is blessing leaders in the Lord. We want you to know that God is for you. He loves you. And you have his blessing. Walk in his blessing and his way to become a blessing. And finally, number seven, commissioning helps bring clarity of purpose. Jesus had tremendous clarity to the purpose of his ministry. He said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again, the spirit. He has anointed me, covered me. And uh, to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim uh, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that this is the time of the Lord's favor. It's come. And so his, his ministry, his mission, his sending had tremendous clarity, and commissioning helps bring clarity. Um, 
Many of you guys were handed those two pieces of paper. On, it, on one of the pieces of paper, there's a clarity statement. And it's really asking the question, in this season of your life, where and to whom are we commissioning you to go and bless the world? And on it, you can write where and to whom you're sent. Like having that kind of clarity is so helpful and so important. And commissioning does that. I want you to imagine with me for a second, a fully mobilized and activated church where every believer becomes a blessing. Every beginner becomes a blessing. And what we saw, you know, happening in Rwanda, we want to see that happening in Sierra Leone. We want to see churches empowered to do that. We want to see that happening here on the ground. And it all starts with us. It all starts with you and me. Imagine what kind of river of blessing could happen in our broken and divided world if we just opened our hearts to be unleashed as the church. Part of me wants to, the skeptical part says, well, can it really happen? And Lord, do you know my limitations and our church? And do you see our church? And do you see the desert of spiritual need in our world? And whenever I think about that, there's, there's still, I, I still come back. I just think there's still hope despite the division, despite the brokenness, but despite the spiritual poverty. There's a, it reminded me of a, of a few quotes. There's a quote from Mother Teresa. There's a, a man that came up to her and, and was frustrated and said, he accused God of being responsible for all the poverty in the world. Like, how can you serve a God when all this poverty is because of him? And she's, she corrected him. She said, poverty is not made by God. It is created by you and me when we don't share what we have. Yeah, that quote really hit me. What do we, what does God put in our hands? What does he put in our hearts that we could share? Another a uh, famous quote came to me while I was writing this sermon. It says this, I can't find my computer cord. Did you lose it again? Where did you put it? Sarah Bedlian. Um, that happened while I was re- writing this. I thought I'd throw it in there. The quote, quote I really want to leave you with is from uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. He says, when I was a boy and I, I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping And I want our church to be the helpers, the blessers, the people of Jesus. That when everything's fallen literally to hell in this world, like people see the Jesus people loving, serving, using their shape, opening their hands and their hearts, giving it to the world. So in this season of life, who are you called to bless? I want, if I could, I would love to see every person in this building commissioned and sent out with some clarity. You don't have to be perfect. And your mission might be something that seems so simple. Maybe you're, I, I, to see your classroom differently. Learning to bless isn't about doing more. It's to see the world differently. It's to see the world as God sees it. Maybe it's my, my classroom is now going to be my mission. I'm going to bless and bless and bless. Or maybe I was a coach. I, I thought God was just having me coach because I like to coach. But all and realizing, no, this is my mission field. I'm going to become a spiritual coach and I'm going to bless the, the, the people that I'm coaching. Or maybe it's to write a book or maybe it's to lead a community group. You're taking a step of faith. Whatever it is, the step of faith, the area of blessing, would you let us commission you today? We're going to have uh, leaders around the room or leaders in the back. There are going to be some leaders in the front and they're going to be blessing you. And what they're going to do is, is they're going to pray with you. They're going to ask you, what, what area of, of blessing are we commissioning you in? If you bring that card up, you can give it to them. Uh, if you've clarified 
your, your mission vision. If you don't and you just want to go up, you don't have to have the card, just go up to them. Um, but I want you to clarify what, what area right now in this season, the best you can is God asking you to bless and to step out in faith. And these leaders, we have advisory team members who help lead the church. We have community group leaders. We just have solid leaders who are here who care about you. They love you. They love this church. And they want to see this town change. They want to see this county change. And it starts with, with accepting the call. Amen? And so we're going to sing these next songs. Uh, would you step forward? Would you clarify on that card what your mission is? Would you go up and be commissioned? They're also going to anoint you with oil, which is like in our culture, like that's weird. And they're just going to anoint you with oil. It's just a little bit of oil to put on your forehead. Uh, it's nothing like magical. This, the oil in the New Testament and the Old Testament is it's a special marking. It's saying, God, would you mark them with your grace and your blessing? Would, would the Spirit fill them? And it's a, it's a deep sending out. It's, it's the spiritual depth of what it symbolizes. It's like communion or baptism. There's this deep spiritual meaning. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, anoint you and, and commission you. And I, I would encourage you today to step into that. Don't leave here. If you've got something in your heart that God has been saying to you, do it. I want you guys to know how much I love you and how grateful I am for you. And let's be a, a reservoir of a church that releases a river of Jesus' blessing to the world. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. Would you commission this church today to be the people of Jesus, to be that river, to be the mosaic that blesses the world? We pray that we would see many people find you. We pray that you would use this church to, uh, to make heroes out of pastors and church members in Sierra Leone and anywhere we can, Lord. We want to see your kingdom come. Jesus name amen.